0: Welcome writers, dungeon masters, and creatives to the World Builders Tavern. Today we are talking once again about the world of the hit show Good Omens. Like last time, you should be warned, we are discussing the whole of the first season, so consider yourself spoiler alerted. Grab an ale and pull up a chair. Your friendly barkeeps Emma, that's me, Allison, hello, and Christiana, hi, are ecstatic to have you here. We also have a traveling barge stopping by the tavern this evening, so make sure you stick around after closing to hear the tale they have prepared for us. Cheers! Cheers. So, we've already had an episode about the show, but I feel like we just scratched the surface, so I'm super excited to be talking about it again, because there is so much to go off of here. And last time, there actually was a topic that we kind of started getting into, but then we cut it off and cut it out because we wanted to talk about it more, and so now we're going to start talking about that again, which is... Humor! This is a funny, funny show, and we are going to dive into how they did that. How did I they feel do that?
1: like humor is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Like, it it's is. why
0: there's not
1: a whole lot of shows or books like this, or there's not a thousand Terry
2: Pratchett's
1: and Neil Gaiman's. I think mm-hmm. it's really difficult, and I really like how they did it in the
2: show. I think more specifically humor isn't always super hard depending on if you're just trying to do humor Mm -hmm. but humor becomes insanely difficult if you're trying to be humorous and thoughtful and emotional at the same time I think that's where like the real you know mastery of the art shows in Mm -hmm. this in this series is that it's not just funny you can make just funny shows it's still hard it's still very hard yeah um but it's even more difficult to make it funny and also make you want to cry a little bit. <laughs> uh-huh. you know?
1: I I particularly noticed how they built humor right into the world itself, which I think is maybe even harder um, because a lot of times when you see people writing humorous sci-fi um, and I first first come to mind is... Um, Firefly, which is really funny, and The Orville is also really funny, and I think those two shows accomplish humor mainly through dialogue. The writers are really good at writing funny lines, yeah. And so they'll have this very serious base um, that has some warmth and humor with dialogue, and Good Omens does that because let's be real—it's Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett but it also builds these really funny things right into the world building and it does it a lot by mashing together opposite things that shouldn't that you wouldn't normally expect to go together so like the nuns who worship Satan.
0: I have yeah. satanic nuns underlined yes, in my notes right? because it was this so, was so funny. <laughs> it's just so funny. And it's
1: not like it's a piece of dialogue that you're laughing at. It's just this weird thing that the they're like, yeah, yeah,
0: these
1: two things. and Well, and even the base of the show, angels plus demons, right? Those don't go together. And here are these two best friends. Um, Naming the hell dog or the hellhound dog.
2: Dog, yeah. (laughs) And making it a tiny little dog was one of my favorite things. Mm
1: -hmm. And the fact that it just stays like that and never, ever goes back as a dog, (laughs) like a hellhound.
2: That was one of my favorite things about it, too. How they kind of twisted the mythology and same with the, the convent is then like a corporate paintball retreat place it's (laughs) so funny to me but it's I think part of why it's super funny to me is because it's so rooted in reality like how many historic buildings are now just like really dumb things like especially (laughs) I'm thinking in Winnipeg there's like that one nightclub on Main Street and mind you historic in Canada is a loaded term right but for old you know, concrete architectural buildings. They're not that old in Winnipeg, but still it it used to be like a bank or something. And now it's a nightclub. Mm -hmm. And it always kind of makes me chuckle to think like, here's like a wonderful representation of like (laughs) early 1900s architecture. And there's a bunch of people (laughs) getting way too drunk in it. Like that's really (laughs) funny to me for some reason. And I like the, I like the way that they They take history and they make these weird little flips and changes like making the dog tiny. I've mm-hmm. had way more tiny dogs bark at me than big, scary dogs. I'm mm-hmm. like all these little things like that. They're all really funny and unexpected, but also kind of like you look at it and you're like, that makes sense for some reason.
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember. So when I was in university, I took a course that was on, I'm not gonna remember what the full name was, but it was something like, it was like dark humor in literature. Um, and I remember one of the things that we talked about was how one of the main elements of comedy is like the unexpected and that's Mm -hmm. not the only part of it so you can't just do unexpected things randomly and it be funny but things are often funny when they are unexpected and that's I think this show did that really well like you pointed out Christiana with the dog because you think a hellhound's gonna be one thing and then it's another thing or the nuns like just like the juxtaposition is such a good place to have humor it really is I think they
1: also accomplish humor by being like a little bit rude humor like a little bit on the edge like almost um what's the word when for like religious irreverent yeah like irreverent you Mm -hmm. know like nuns following satan like you Mm -hmm. know Yeah. yeah yeah
0: um i think that also contributes to the humor yeah the 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 dance that he does in the i called it in my notes the consecrated ground dance when he's in the church <laughs> and, Crowley, and he's like hopping back and forth on his feet it is so funny and it's such a good spin because normally again with that unexpected like normally you think of like a demon just can't enter a church or like bursts into flames but it's not he's like it's like being at the beach with no shoes on yeah. so it's just this like <gasps> yeah. super funny twist
1: and i yeah. think you would not be able to accomplish the finale of the show <laughs> if it was a serious show mm. because basically no. adam is like he's just like nope, that's not how it's gonna be <laughs> and, the, and it works for this show because the show is funny and weird and the, all the unexpected things have happened up to this point mm-hmm. so you're like yeah that's fine whereas like in a serious show you, you would feel like that's a cop out like oh that's dumb what a what a dumb way to end a show just like
2: deciding but saying that you're not satan's son anymore and then that works (laughs) right part of the that humor too and why it works though is like it's like one of the rules of comedy is you can only ever punch up not down right right so you can make fun of people who have power over you, but you can't make fun of people that you have power over. Mm-hmm. And so I think the the ending is so funny. And like everything about it is so kind of funny because it's just like people flagrantly disregarding their superiors in some sense. Yeah, <laughs> right. Where it's like, oh, you're literally Satan. Mm, I don't think so. I don't feel like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like that's really funny. If it was vice versa, if it was god coming down and saying you are not going to do this it wouldn't be funny yeah it's the position of power yeah i think they do a good job of making everything like just a little bit cheeky yeah
0: yeah yeah and i think that that's why they can do some things that work so for example the whole premise of everything is like a miscommunication trope right like the baby mm-hmm. goes to the wrong room because wrong people yeah. have the wrong information which usually or often is just not executed very well and you just like roll your eyes and groan you're like oh man if they yeah. spent 10 more seconds talking to each <laughs> other but it worked because it is that like snarky kind of like humor because it's it is funny that such huge things have come from a small thing and also because they like built it into the character like they showed why it made sense for the nun to be that way and they showed why it made sense for Crowley to be that way because like he doesn't really care so like Mm -hmm. it ends up being funny instead of eye rolling because it makes sense in how they
2: establish the world and the characters already Mm -hmm. yeah I think you make a really good point about the miscommunication my biggest pet peeve in movies is or in books where they're like let me explain and then just stand there for two minutes, not explaining <laughs> while the person walks away. and like, you literally could have just explained it. Right. Yeah. But this one, you're right. They did set everything up so that you kind of bought into it. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, and that's part of what makes it funny too, because like... miscommunications happen all the time in our Mm -hmm. regular lives Mm -hmm. but it's not a dramatic I can explain while someone walks down a hallway and like sad music plays or whatever it's just something dumb like you misread the inflection of a text or like it's not that big of mistakes and I think they did a really good job setting that up and making it funny Mm -hmm.
1: they also chose just super serious things just to satirize to to make fun of like like the witch burnings or the witch drownings yeah Um, and like how um what's the the prophet's name agnes nutter agnes nutter (laughs) it's like like she knows they're coming to drown her and she's like uh you're 10 minutes late i'm supposed (laughs) to have been like or were they burning her i'm supposed to be on fire right now yeah yeah. or whatever and just like like because witch burnings are like a horrible terrifying Thing and she's just like, yeah,
2: let's get let's get this over with. Yeah. That
1: thing.
2: Also, that they named the prophet literally Nutter.
1: Yeah. That was yeah.
2: Was like, <laughs> <laughs> Some sometimes comedy could be so on the nose and still hit just right, you know.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. And again, I think what Christiana was saying earlier that comes back to that is that like the people who aren't in power can get away with that. So like the witch about to be burned. Actually, yeah. being the one in control
0: is is just very like mm-hmm. satisfying as well as funny. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of funny things with names, like the the witch finder who killed her being called "Thou shall not commit adultery," right. like, pulsifer, <laughs> which like is a spin on like how actual like Puritan names were because they they were often like very long like that but like it's just and then the fact but that fact that then it's sort into like adultery is so funny (laughs) and then or like the kid being named Warlock which is just like Uh, yeah uh, Yeah. well and the Satan's son
1: being named Adam is pretty great
0: yeah and having an
1: obsession with stealing apples from his neighbor Uh (laughs) yeah
0: yeah, they really, like you said, Ali, they or they built in humor into like every part of their yeah. world, which I think yeah. is what makes it work so well. Because if you had a non, a completely non-funny environment and then the dialogue was really funny, you wouldn't be like getting the full potential of how funny the story could be. I mean, be. I
1: think you can, that's certainly a storytelling option, like with the shows I mentioned earlier, like I love Firefly
2: and that's how mm-hmm. Firefly works. Yeah. It's just
1: a very different type yeah. of humor.
2: Yeah. Right? So...
1: It's a choice. And there's
2: there's something to be said for making your world funny instead of just your dialogue funny. Like yep. it gives off a very different vibe, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, if the whole world is funny, you pick up on it so fast. And I feel like you loosen up. Mm-hmm. Like within five minutes of starting the show, I was like, okay, hey, this is going to be about two goofy little guys. Yeah. having a goofy <laughs> little time. You know what I mean? I kind of like relaxed a bit. But I think that also made the emotional moments hit harder Mm -hmm. because it kind of like, let you let your guard down, expecting everything to be very funny all the time. And then you Mm -hmm. just kind of get hit with something where you're like, oh, that's actually kind of deep, you know?
1: (laughs) I think we have to also give a nod to David Tennant and Michael Sheen's acting and way of like saying... Really serious things in a straight face that are actually funny lines of dialogue and just like their expressions and uh is it's they were just amazing.
2: I could not have casted it better, yeah like, I can't think of a single other person to give really for any of the characters, and isn't John Ham like oh John Ham was fantastic what is he's is he michael is he archangel michael Gabriel I think Gabriel That's yeah it. um even John Hamm, so funny because yeah. most people think of Mad Men when they think of John Hamm. Yeah. Serious business guy. But he's actually really funny. And he had like every single role, I think, was just cast so well. Yeah. yeah I thought it was great.
0: I will say I could also see um, Martin Freeman in the role of a zero fa- fail um oh yeah but that's just like that, that but i do also think that um it was it was a martin it's martin sheen right this is that michael, yeah. sheen. michael sheen sorry michael uh, sheen. did an amazing job he was like so, he was oh, i loved so i don't
1: think i've seen him in anything before this and now i'm just like yeah fan.
2: i'm like yes yeah. michael sheen has my heart now as a big giant vampire fan, he is in the Underworld series. I'm pretty oh, certain. okay. Let me Google this to see if we're going to keep it in the episode. I'm 99 <laughs> certain. Yes, he's in the Other World series. Yeah. So he's good in that, but
0: it's so serious. It's always interesting to see somebody in like a really different like tone thing
2: Oh, he's also than- in Twilight. Yeah. Oh really? He's, again, as a, a big vampire fan, oh, he's head oh of goodness. the evil vampire crew in Italy. I'm blanking on their name. Oh, the
0: Volturi. But the yeah, Vulturi, that, that, yeah.
2: <gasps> oh, that's it. Yeah, that's He's a yeah. little creepy chameleon.
1: <laughs> Speaking of uh, how well these actors do, I'm curious about what Emma thinks about, like the costuming as a makeup artist, yeah. and like. The way the choices that the writers made or the yeah. production people made about
0: like w- what they're wearing and what they look like. So
1: go, yeah. Emma, tell oh, us.
2: I,
0: yay, I'm so glad to talk about this because uh, yeah, I definitely <laughs> like had a bunch of notes about that. Like the makeup was really interesting. Um, And I think that they did a good job of like the less is more, which I Mm. often think is good for that kind of world building stuff, especially in visual. Like when you're writing, you get a little bit more creativity because you can describe whatever you want and you don't actually have to like build it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whereas when you're on screen, you have to make things look that way. So, But even the subtle things like Gabriel having like the purple contact lenses or David Tennant having like the snake eyes Mm -hmm. that like slightly set them apart enough that you knew that they were different, but not so much that... Uh, It was crazy or, you know, for the budget of the film, it would have had to be a lot. I loved the chameleon on the demon's head as his (laughs) just like demonic thing. (laughs) So weird. Fantastic. (laughs) Um, And I also found it interesting that the angel's makeup was kind of equally as unsettling as the demon's makeup, but like in a different way, like especially um michael so that was the the female angel and she was the one who like did the had the phone call scene her makeup i was a little bit like didn't know what to think of it because it didn't look great like it didn't look like a professional had done it sort Mm -hmm. of thing but i think that was the vibe that they were going that was the point of it yeah yeah which is interesting so yeah i think it's kind of like angel
1: trying to be human but failing bad yeah. badly kind of like when the two angels come into the bookstore and they're like we're here <laughs> we're to, to buy a porn <laughs> us into the back
0: room. yeah
1: it they think they're so great at being humans
0: it could be um i don't know like i i don't um or I is really that get just the way you do makeup in heaven, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I think maybe it is. And like, because I cause I don't think that the angels were really that concerned with being human. Like fail, I think, is like a, a, an outlier and yeah. that he wanted to be more human. But I think maybe it was like a nod to like angels... Not being perfect, like or not being like these just completely 100 percent otherworldly, gorgeous, perfect beings. Uh-huh. they're like yeah. flawed, including their makeup is flawed. I think because <laughs> at first I was kind of wondering, I was like, did they just like do a bad job?" And then I was like, no, because they did such a good job on yeah, all their no other way, There's that no way that just up. one yeah. person, they just like messed it up, so it had to be intentional. It kind of
2: struck me as like, um like they were all wearing too much highlighter. Yes. Which yeah, we all live through 2016. <laughs> We've all been there. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it, the way I kind of read it was almost like they were they were trying to like not look angelic. Mm. They're trying to be like, oh god, my skin is too glowy and beautiful. Let's <laughs> smear some stuff on it. Let's smear some <laughs> eyeliner on. <laughs> I look like a human, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like. And and then, like, the demonic makeup, like, I forget what the guy's name was, but who had all the, like, facial stuff going on, the blonde-haired one who got stuck in, uh, Haster, um, who got stuck in the answering machine, his, like, oh, facial right. rot stuff that was going on. Oh, uh, yeah. Was fantastic and that also landed for a, a, a part of humor when they were in the desert and he was posing as the archaeologist and he's just this like clearly demonic looking person with some sort of like flesh-eating <laughs> disease and they all have to like interact with him like this isn't <laughs> happening but it's just yeah it just goes through like you can build your world through really subtle ways like even appearance wise and of course it's a little bit different if you're working in a visual medium versus like working with a book but in the same way you describe your characters in the book so it's good to think about like how you can distinguish them and how your character's appearance is not just about their appearance but like contributes to the world building and like establishes Mm. those things so I thought they did a great job of that in this yeah, show, even yeah, even the costumes. Like, if you compare mm-hmm. Israfel to
1: what Crowley's wearing, like they just reek personality. What they uh-huh. wearing. they do. Yeah, yeah. Israfel's all prim and proper and light colored, and Crowley. Actually, I I, I kind of thought they might dress him messily, but he actually was also like properly dress but like he, a darker he like version
2: slick in a menacing mm-hmm. way yeah, though slick. that's <laughs> a really <laughs> good word was like really put together yeah crowley was like kind of like slick you know almost yeah. slimy in a sense yeah, like that's some a great straight word, yeah. lines mm-hmm. and yeah and black
0: of course yeah <laughs> yeah Yeah. or um anathema's outfit like her her kind of modern witch oh, look I really like so her. they did yeah. a great yeah. job of that yeah you kind of yeah. knew who the characters were just from looking at them, which is like a fantastic use.
1: If you had asked me, do you think we should have our angel have bleached hair? I would have been like, <laughs> no, that is stupid. But, but my it, team, it pulls it off. It works yeah. great. I don't know. I'm, yeah. <laughs> and I like that they gave Crowley
2: kind of like a red hair instead of black. I think mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I liked the red hair too. I was gonna touch on that. I think mm-hmm. there's like this idea with like, well, there is a literal show called Lucifer about the devil, and he's all like black slicked back yeah. hair and cool mm-hmm. suits and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I understand that the devil is supposed to be like seductive and tempting in a way. Um, but not he's not creepy enough for me. And I think they did a yeah. good job with David Tennant, where he's still seductive, like. I it absolutely swooned over Crowley. <laughs> yeah. um, but like the cho- the choice of the red hair and the kind of weird sunglasses
0: mm-hmm.
2: and like a little bit of kind of scruff almost going on where it's like, he he was slick and attractive looking, but not yeah. like a, not too much of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a really yeah. good job.
0: One thing I will say that I think they could have, done better or maybe and I think this is a problem in a lot of fantasy is the coding of ugly as evil and attractive as Mm -hmm. good yeah which like i said they didn't they didn't completely do it into it because the angels themselves were not always super attractive um and crowley is very attractive yeah but you know attractive yeah for most of the the demons mostly have unattractive you know they have like face rot they have horns they have and then the angels do not have like those same like disfigurements or or you know that sort of thing which is a problem because it is not true um you know your appearance has nothing to do with with your value or your morality and and I think it's just it's a really easy thing to slip into because it is so coded like it's, it's in so everything. common yeah like fairy tales you've got like the evil ugly witch stepmother and the beautiful princess like it's just so ingrained but like, yeah it goes all the way back to fairy yeah, tales or yeah. even further yeah which yeah. just makes it all that more important to kind of like Change acknowledge knowledge and counter yeah. it yeah and like don't necessarily so i would say maybe don't follow them on that i think maybe that was a place where they did a misstep a little bit but um overall yeah, would- let let good characters be ugly and hmm. have disabilities and
1: deformities and facial scars and whatever like not only villains should have those yeah things. yeah exactly yeah well that seems like a good moving on point so we will head on in to proprietor's pick this is where i highlight a new or upcoming book release because your to read pile isn't long enough already if you like good omens you might also like the very secret society of irregular witches by sanga mandana it came out already in august of 2022 and here's the synopsis As one of the few witches in Britain, Micah Moon knows she has to hide her magic, keep her head down, and stay away from other witches so their powers don't mingle and draw attention. And as an orphan who lost her parents at a young age and was raised by strangers, she's used to being alone and she follows the rules, with one exception. An online account where she posts videos pretending to be a witch. She thinks no one will take it seriously,
2: but someone does i need to read that my master's thesis is all about tiktok and i feel like this could be based off of something that has actually happened on tiktok I
1: feel like. it could totally <laughs> could yeah <laughs> right? i don't know anything like, else is... about the book but it is already out already so you can Ooh. grab it right now and read it and then tell us what you think of it and that goes for you listeners as well. You should also read it and then tell us how it is. Because I have not
0: read this book, as with all our proprietors pick. I really like the like mingling of social media and fantasy. I think that's really fun. Yeah. yeah so I, I do, yeah. Excited. I, so I don't like urban fantasy all that much, but this sounds really fun. Okay, time for last call. So if someone who is listening to this podcast wants to draw inspiration from good omens in the areas of humor or appearance what should they
2: ask themselves? So when you're using humor, there are many different ways to use it. Are you going to build it into your world building? Are you going to use it in your dialogue? Are you going to use it in your character relationships or miscommunications? There's a lot of different ways to inject it, but sometimes too much is too much. So find a good place for it. Also consider how you can mash
1: together two unexpected things, such as nuns who worship Satan, to create humor.
0: And for the other half of the episode, I would encourage you to think about what the appearance of your characters say about them. And can you make descriptions do double duty to either flesh out the world or contribute to the plot, as well as just telling us what they look like? And that's closing time. Thank you so much for joining us at the Tavern. It has been wonderful to have you here, but now it's time for you to scram. Or better yet, don't, because we have our visiting bard here to tell us a tale.
3: Through the Glass by Shanine Thompson The girl stretches on her tiptoes, straining to see over the window's ledge. It's not yet dawn. She is supposed to be in bed, but she can't resist one last look at the adventurers as they leave on their next great quest. Last night was full of revelry. The small village loved nothing more than to celebrate their brave hero's daring exploits. She wasn't allowed to attend the whole night of festivities, but what she was present for, she had watched from the broad shoulders of her brother the bravest hero of them all. It takes everything within her to hold back tears, ensuring one final clear glimpse of her brother. There he is. A small, proud smile curves her lips as her brother joins his companions, sword at his side. Her brother had taught her about all the adventurer's weapons, promising to start training her to wield her favorite the next time he was home. The heroes, looking their part, exchange grim but determined nods as they start off. The girl stares after them as they depart the village, resolute that she will not look away until they are out of sight. One of them falls, the one with the bow, the one she's pretty sure her brother has eyes for. He rushes to the woman's side, and the girl's knowing grin fades to confusion and concern when the woman doesn't get up. The adventurers form a tight circle around their fallen companion, weapons drawn. What is happening? She strains higher on her tiptoes. Is this like the time a mage tried to put them all to sleep? Another adventurer falls, the one with the pike. And this time she sees blood arc in the dim morning light. Then the one with the matching daggers, the one with the staff, the one with the axe. Only her brother remains standing. What is attacking them? Her body is frozen, and she is unable to move, unable to look away, as her brother spins frantically, searching for the source of this bloodshed. She sees a flash of... He falls. She blinks, and is back in the present. Leather creaks as her gloved hand tightens around her sword hilt. A tear catches in the wrinkles that have formed at the corners of her eye. It's been a lifetime, and the masker still haunts her through every window. She peers out again, catching sight of her prey once more, the one she has hunted all these years. She will not be the one to fall tonight.